your mission, if you choose to accept it, is to sit back and enjoy this impossibly entertaining podcast. Because we're talking movies, we're talking Mission Impossible, Dead Reckoning, Part 1. Starring the number one person on Chris's Hall Pass, Tom Cruise, Haley Atwell, and Rebecca Ferguson. Based on the series of the same name by Bruce Geller, written by Eric Jenderson and Christopher McQuarrie, who also directed. This podcast will self-destruct in five seconds. I mean, you kind of took my quote by accident at the beginning. Your mission, if you choose to accept it, is to listen to this podcast. Hey everybody and welcome to this week's episode of How'd You Like That Movie? We're going to be talking about the two hour and 43 minute version of Tom Cruise running. Uh, so Scott, take us away. Okay, so... He does run lie. He does run a lot. He, he does run a lot in this movie. Listen, just let me talk. I'm not going to lie. This film had me thinking a lot. Especially about possibly joining Scientology because, man... I want to be able to run like Tom Cruise because this man doesn't fucking sweat. Oh, and that's true. I don't think that's movie magic because if you have Paramount Plus, there's a 20 minute doc that uh, premiered technically this weekend, like opening weekend of the movie that goes through all the practical stunts that were shot for this film. And they showed up a bunch of fucking Is that, running that, scenes. Uh, Mission Impossible, Dead Reckoning, Making the Impossible or something like that. Yeah. Yeah. So I watched it. Uh, and they they shown like a bunch of these running scenes being shot in real time, and not a lick of fucking sweat was coming off of uh, Cruz when McCreary called uh, called cut. Not one. So you would say Cruz? That's some cruising. voodoo shit. It's some voodoo shit, man. It got to be thinking about joining Scientology. Yeah. That's yeah. that's so that's the master <laughs> plan. All of this, like uh, Tom Cruise doing his own stunts, it's like. Do you want to be Tom Cruise? Come to Scientology today. Climb impossible mountains and then base jump off of them. <laughs> well, it, I know you, you don't like the trivia, but, you know, there is some trivia that I have for this film. Um, you know, when this film was in production, Tom Cruise is the same, was the same age as John Voight was for the first Mission Impossible. Wow, and look, I I just watched I just watched the uh, original Mission Impossible, and John Voight looks uh I mean he looks like an older guy, right? Tom yeah, Cruise, not like and and John Voight though, but he looks like a like what my body's gonna look like in about three years. You know what I mean? Like uh, the amount of abuse that I put on it. Um, Tom Cruise looks he's in good shape, man. He's doing all right. Yeah, so that's the thing. That's what's gonna make you know, the conversion happen, right? Is they're going to start doing the memes, the side by side, especially when like part eight or comes out in like three years or whatever, he'll be like 62, 63 when he's filming that and still fucking running and jumping off probably like space stations or something. I don't know. I don't know what they have planned. So actually on that topic, (laughs) originally these were supposed to be shot back to back. And yes. then I read that Paramount said, no, we're not doing that. And then I was never able to find any information on to va- validating or verifying if they did go back to that or do they still actually have to go shoot this second part? No, uh, from what I read, they 
they did they they like they haven't shot it at all they still have to go uh because to my understanding the frequent delays caused by uh covid actually ballooned this budget to um 291 million yeah it's and like it's one of the most literally expensive films the, ever made for tom cruise's career mm. and the mission Impossible franchise so my guess is you know after that balloon so much like they need to recruit a lot of this back to to go back to make it because i'm pretty sure whatever they have fucking you know planned for part eight is going to be fucking expensive too right yeah, I mean, and so my numbers are only as valid uh, as kind of yesterday. Uh, the film basically just opened. Uh, I've got 123 million made so far. It's not bad, man. It's yeah. not bad at all. That's not bad uh, on a 291 million dollar budget first week. I mean, and first weekend isn't even over. You know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. it's 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 when we are recording this, it's Sunday morning before the Thursday that you're listening to it. So by the time you hear that, this number should be much higher. Yeah, and I think it's. I think even though in the next couple of weeks it's going to have some, you know, Barbieheimer major competition. Competi- yeah, it was a major competition. I think this movie was entertaining enough that it is the word of mouth. I think is going to, you know. It might not be number one again, but a good number three, number four for a couple more weeks in which it does um, recruit a lot and make a profit because, like, you can't, you really can't bet against Cruz, right? Like, even how much I joked around with, you know, making a Top Gun sequel 20 something years later. Like, and look what it did. What the... Yeah, no, exactly, <laughs> right? Like, you know, he knows. Um, it's the one thing that I like watching that um, Paramount Plus little doc. It's one of the things that like gave me um, a more respect for Tom Cruise, but just not as an actor, but as a producer, because he's talking about it and he's talking about all these practical stunts that they want shot. And it, he, he says like the whole point of, the stunts have to serve the story of the film because just throwing in fucking stunts to throw in stunts, he goes, there's no point to that because, you know, it takes you out of the story. And and that's the thing, like with these films, like as big as these practical stunts are, you know, they're all a part of that story. Yeah. I mean, the caveat to that is you're Tom Cruise, you're a producer, you're also the lead actor. Uh, so you have a lot, you have the ability to put a lot of pressure on the story, the stories are basically vehicles for your stunts. So yeah, you're right. There isn't just some like random set piece that happens, but every big stunt has been basically led up to on purpose by the story that you had a lot of like input in to make sure that you got to do shit like drive a motorcycle off a fucking cliff. And then basically Which he apparently wanted to do since he was a kid. And you know what? Actually, though, so you everybody has seen that. It, it's in the trailer. There's lots of conversations. I actually really love how they get you to the top of that mountain. Like, the why. Like, like mm-hmm. you're talking about story and stuff like that. Like, because I, I just figured you're like, okay, at some point, he's just going to have to do this thing. But they actually set it up fairly well as to the why. 
and even his interaction with Simon Pegg about, okay, just just go this way, just go this way. And he's like, okay, well, when do I start going down? Uh... <laughs> Soon, yeah. Soon, yeah. And then, yeah, that's the thing. And then, yeah, when he gets to the top, um, yeah, when he has his little line like uh, – you know, Simon Pegg, like, holy, just I'm under a lot of pressure, right? <laughs> just, and the just car is driving itself and he's sitting in the yeah. passenger seat like that juxtaposition. <laughs> um, and the fact that Tom Cruise actually has to come up with the like the the plan was not to do what he did. He thought he was going to no. just drive and jump on the drain. And so when he gets there, he actually has to be like, how the fuck do I get away from this mountain? And that almost like Eureka. Ah, I know what I got to do here. Yeah. Um, yeah, okay, was... so uh, my quote is, and you're going to hate this because it's from like some nobody at a nobody publication, but I actually like the quote. Uh, Jake Wilson from The Age, I don't even know what that is. Uh, the last 40 minutes of Dead Reckoning Part 1 make up for the rest and rank with some of the most thrilling ac- uh, action sequences I've seen this year. I'd say like some of the most thrilling action sequences, bar none. Like it's the problem with this film. The, so the stuff that it does right, it does really right. The The stunts. The cinematography, and by cinematography too, I don't just mean really nice shots, but they actually do a lot of like really artistic cinematography using like Dutch angles. Um, one of my favorite scenes in this actually is the sword fight kind of thing on the bridge in Venice. Yeah, oh, that was beautiful, fuck, man. man. It was beautifully shot. It's beautifully co- it's it's got that Kill Bill kind of vibe, but almost more real. And the way the drone comes up. Like really stable drone work where the drone comes up, it, the the camera pivots around so you get to see the entire fight sequencing happening. It's beautiful. It's a beautiful yeah. shot. Um, and it that was what it did have like one of my favorite lines too, right? Because I know, like spoilers, you have the thing where you know the computer knows it all, but the character of Gabriel technically, you know, is only inputted with enough information right he doesn't really know how it's going to finish he's just going off you know blind fate but I, I did like that line when you know it goes to like the the pan over his shoulder and you see rebecca F- ferguson and he was like oh i really hoped it was you right? yeah, yeah yeah so yeah the like the the fight scenes fight choreography is fantastic uh all the action sequencing uh by uh christopher McQuarrie is great now the problem though is it's weighed down by a bucket of shitty fucking unnecessary exposition like to the point that it's almost farcical like how can we tell you all the information multiple times in the most like obvious way you know what i mean like okay so you are remember you're ethan hunt the guy from mission impossible that solves missions that are impossible and you're going to go up some stairs and, and then you're just like, and you're like, fucking stop, stop. Like, this is awful. We get it. What do you mean? So basically we just, you, you describe the mission, you describe every aspect of the mission, but not only are you doing that instead of just letting people fucking watch that shit happen is that you have characters saying stuff to each other that those characters, because of their interactions and their relationship, would already know that information. You know what I mean? Like, 
especially like Ving Rhames and him going back and forth, like they don't need to share that information. Like, don't worry. It's because I'm the computer guy and computer guys hack stuff. But like, we know, we know who you are. We know what your job is in this mission. So this film being two hours and 43 minutes, man, like you could probably cut 30 minutes of exposition and this film Mm -hmm. would be fucking rock and roll. Unfortunately, like, there was definitely points where I was like, when the fuck is this movie going to end? And then, like, an awesome dude running on a fucking train, doing all kinds of crazy shit uh, would happen and would kind of bring you back up. But th- it is the, four- the last 40 minutes of this film save it. Otherwise, it's a- it would be a piece of dog shit. Oh, and I love I still... the opening. And I love the fucking opening. There is something. Yeah. Hold on. There is, some- there is no other tension like submarine tension. Uh, I just asked those five guys that went down to see the Titanic. Uh, <laughs> um, but like the way that like, because of the way a sub operates and the idea of like using sonar and everybody being quiet and stuff like though, you can cinematically, you can ratchet up that tension so much. And I love watching submarine sequences when they're done properly, whether it's hunt for Red October, Das boot. And this one does it really well. Like, I don't want to spoil that opening, but just the, like, we think this is happening. Then we don't know what's happening. Then what the fuck? How is this happening? And then whatever does happen. And I'm sure people are like, thanks, Chris. You told us zero information in there. Um, But that opening sequence, I was like, oh, yes, yes, yes. Like, we are in a fucking really great film right now. Yeah, like, I think in terms of if if we're talking cold openings, if we go to the like our previous episode on Indiana Jones, right? That technically was supposed to be um the cold opening of this movie it was supposed to be ethan hunt and the gabriel character de-aged yes and you saw that thing right and i like how they chose this too Uh, i like this one better than kind of especially with indiana joe's coming out you're like oh we kind of just saw this already right but the other just for anybody who hasn't seen indiana jones there is not also a sub opening <laughs> it's, it's the no, de-aging it's scott is talking about the de-aging it's indiana jones yeah. is not on a submarine if you watch a movie you're like where's the sub scott where's well, the he's sub? on a train was, oh, oh yeah i mean those are almost fucking exactly the same thing almost the same land and sea <laughs> whatever but uh <laughs> we call it a we call it a rail submarine yeah but doing like doing the notes for this that's that opening sequence was done so well that you don't realize it was 28 minutes before you even saw fucking the title card. Yeah. Cause that's how like they built up that tension so well. So I know you're saying like it's it was long. Like me personally, I didn't feel it. Well, I felt it because I had to pee around the one, you know, around an hour and a half mark. Yeah, but don't you just use prepare. the bucket that the drink came out of? No, because I still had drink in there, man. If I didn't have drink, I would have. <laughs> but uh but that i kind of felt so i was super glad when the credits came up i'm like on my phone like is there any end credits thing no i'm like bolting out with my son i'm like let's go (laughs) but um in terms of story and everything i think the one thing i kind of didn't like about it is i hate the whole reconning kind of the past to you know this gabriel character uh is such instrumental in you know the ethan hunt history that you know it, it's it actually yeah it's movie. actually before he joins mission impossible or impossible i am right so yeah so you're like you know 
he he's super important the guy he always wanted to go after but you know it's been a couple of decades he never thought to go after this guy before until right now so and I, i'm gonna try and say this without spoiling but there may be spoilers in what i'm about to ask cut considering what we know needs to happen with the two items which i still wonder how the fuck they got him off those floating sailors uh, well they said they said the um, they just said the that ice they... the ice melted and that's when they captured they recovered all the bodies yeah but it would be like the russian fucking navy or something like that like you're not just cruising around the arctic anyway that that's besides the point but when you think about it like the machine doesn't want you to have the key so as soon as someone has the key, just fucking blow them away with a shotgun. <laughs> like, I did feel like there was points where you could just, like, fucking execute a couple people. That's it. The machine is saved. And that's the that's the goal of the machine. You know what I mean? Well, like, if he can convince like... this one guy to do stuff for him, the machine could just be like, Scott Vega, I will transfer you $1 billion if you murder that dude over there. And you're like, fuck, done. Right, which they had a very, like you said, they had a very long exposition when they were debriefing uh, Carrie Elwell, uh, Carrie Elwell's character, and he pretty much said, like, you know, it can get to anybody. Like humans are, it's you know, are but the even, and actually point that, that set piece for in the CIA headquarters because there's, and I'm, I'm going to make sure that this doesn't get blown. So they're saying some stuff, and then some different stuff happens, but they've definitely led you to believe one thing. And then you get the other thing, and you're like, ah, oh, that's good. I like that. I like that. It's it's hard to yeah. talk about this movie because the twists and turns are super important, right? And I don't want to fuck it up for anybody, and it just came out. So, like, people are basically listening to a podcast about people being like, oh, bleep, 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 blank space. Fantastic. Yeah, I'll say, like, in terms of choices, especially story, um, Rebecca Ferguson's character, I think – in reality, she really didn't have to be in this movie. Oh, although I'm she glad would... she's there. <laughs> yes, no, I like her character. Uh, I do. It's kind of cool like, seeing it... the female, like badass, like uh, former MI6 or whatever, right? Right, but I'm saying, like, in terms of the choices made for her character, there is no real point unless you know it's Fast and the Furious, where you know it's all gonna you know be nothing later on kind of thing well i'll talk to you about it off off the yeah yeah yeah, yeah. Just since you don't want to do story like since spoilers you don't yeah spoilers. well because again i think that how all these characters interact is really important and it sometimes they're not acting the way you expect them to act but for good reason especially um mm -hmm. Haley atwell as grace like i do like the fact that she basically acts in her own interest throughout the whole film <laughs> you know what i mean like She's doing exactly like what you would expect a thief to be doing. Yeah, until the end. But. I, I want to see more stuff with uh, Palm Clementif, uh, Paris. Yeah, I think she played she was almost like highlight. a Bond esque style villain. You know what I mean? Yeah, she was like, uh, not Jaws. Who is uh, who is the good? Yeah, Jaws was the one. Jaws that was does in multiple. turn good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, but he's the one that was in multiple movies, right? Yes, like the Hedgeman that was in multiples. Yeah. Uh, um, so do you do you recommend it? You went with your yeah, son. What did, what did he I, think? I think I think it, it was a good movie. Um, it is one of the better Mission Impossible's. I will say that. And it's is it your favorite? Like, no, no. 
my favorite's the part two, man. Still, oh, we, okay. Uh, We're going to come back to that because I just watched John Woo's fucking Mission Impossible. And I was like, what the fuck is going on with this movie? It had been a long time. Yeah, and like, uh, I always think of John Woo. Nothing Wu. beats fucking doves, man. That's Slow motion a... doves. Okay, so yeah, let's talk about this straight up. So <laughs> I always forget because when I think John Woo, the first thing I think of it is like amazing action sequences, right? But then, mm-hmm. yes, there's always the, like, his version of, like, artistic directing. Like, he is not just, like, an action guy, right? Like, he likes to have – he has a thing with birds. He has a thing for, like, slow motion. He has a thing for, like – like, to be honest, it's very cheesy, almost melodrama. And but Mission Impossible I- 2 is the most melodramatic of the – and we're talking, like, Mission Impossible 1, I forgot Brian De Palma did it. And it's very yeah. much got that De Palma feel. And it's uh, – I actually – someone said to me it, it, it was very much like how the, the TV show was. So I, I, I get that. So I threw on John Woo and I'm like, okay, we're going to see some fucking dope-ass shit. And the, the action sequences are great. But the fucking drama part, part of it was awful. So – like almost unwatchable. And like the idea of like – and also – and Tom Cruise in that like 90s hair – but this is what I'm going to say. I think I think part two is Tom Cruise's favorite too, man. Because if you look at this film, all the picture references of Ethan Hutt is the part two one. And I'm like, he liked that hair, man. He liked it. Like, he goes home and, and he puts the like, hair on. He's like, it was nothing like that. Because I think that was the first one with a major stunt, right? Is that him actually base climbing that mountain? I think that was the first one. Because I don't remember any uh, big stunt. I mean, and and you can one. tell that like there's definitely stunt doubles doing work because in the films now, the camera's always on him, and mm-hmm. then in two, one and two you can see those cutaway points where you 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 pick him up from the back, so your stunt doubles in there, and then you know the camera's above them so that Tom Cruise basically starts on the ground or whatever. Uh, and they would have used a lot of wire, I think, for I mean it's, it's Hong Kong style fucking mission impossible part two right so mm-hmm. yeah but it, it is you know i think what was mcquarrie's first one was it five uh i thought it yeah or yeah, was yeah, it four yeah. uh that's a good question i, I can pull that up for you because I, I did like like at the beginning it didn't obviously have legs because it wasn't the same vision but i did like how each at the beginning each mission impossible was one director's vision of what a technically like a, a james bond movie would be yeah right? like a mission he started with rogue nation so what's that for sure okay anyway <laughs> i guess i can look it up too yeah but uh i i mean i think it was good that they actually settled on a director i i don't think that the moving between director and director was really working as well uh, but McCreary's worked with Tom Cruise on tons of stuff. Like, as so it, five. That's five. Is it five? Yeah. Um. Yeah. So he works with him as a director on Jack Reacher, and then obviously like the other Mission Impossible films, Rogue Nation and Fallout. But as a like a writer, he did like Valkyrie. Like he was actually Christopher McQuarrie was more of a writer than anything before his um. His directing, Directora. his directorial career kicked off. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like he wrote the Usual Suspects. I mean, he did direct The Way of the Gun and wrote it, but he wrote Valkyrie, The Tourist. I mean, some of these he did direct, but like The Edge of Tomorrow, like 
Top Gun Maverick, like the mummy, which I don't, I'm sure he probably would like that off of his credits, but like, no, I think the mummy, he came in for rewrites. Oh, okay. Like Tom Cruise was like, this is not working, but he seems to be like Tom Cruise's writer now. Yeah. So yeah, I think so the biography will be written by uh, Christopher McQuarrie, Tom Cruise, <laughs> a life inside out. <laughs> Yeah, no, I think they have a good relationship. Like, no, and no, 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 hold on. Now, Tom Cruise, from jumping on couches to jumping off mountains. There we go. Yeah, no. I don't think he references that at all. No? I think he blames fucking Oprah. That was Oprah, right? Yes. Didn't he say Oprah set him up for that shit? How, does, how do you get set up to jump on a couch? It's not like she was like, jump, boy, jump. Like, uh, how excited are you? I'm this excited. Yeah. Uh, so are you glad you saw it in the theater or do you think this is, I am am actually, this is, I think only my third or fourth one I've actually seen in theaters. This is, this has been a series I've usually kept to, you know, home theater, Yep. but I am glad I watched this one in the theater. Did did um, you have the D box? No, no. We just went regular, like, you know, lazy boy chairs, lean back, but, um, yeah, it was it was fun. It was fun to watch. It was fun to experience, and and, and yeah, like I definitely think like in terms of what this is doing. Like, I know there's uh, some articles out there. You guys can look it up too if you want. That technically, this movie is literally Tom Cruise's like middle finger to streamers. Just saying, like, you know, going with the algorithms and having algorithms pick your movies for you, you're going to miss out on a lot of fucking good content. Well, and it's funny because when this was supposed to be out, you know, the conversation around AI and stuff was very much just like theoretical, right? Like, what if this happens? We are currently in a writer's strike and an actress or like a, a actor's strike. Then in AI is the stuff that they are trying to make sure that the con- the new collective agreements deal with properly. Uh, we just had a submarine sink. <laughs> like it's just this movie just kind of landed in uh, in in the right place at the right time, a hundred percent by accident. You know what I mean? Yeah. Unless um, unless Tom Cruise car- caused COVID to do that, which I mean, he's got some powers. I don't I don't know about that, but there is. Uh, I did like some of the callbacks. Like this movie ends in on a train, and so did the first one. That train sequence is fucking. Awesome. Do you know they built that train? Uh, they had to build that train. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Completely. So they could drive it off a of fucking thing. Yeah. Yeah, because they had no old trains to use that can actually be. So each, each, um, fuck, what's it called? Car. Each cart? Car, yeah. Car was built by them. Yeah, and to be a, a replica stuff. of like that style of train from that time period yeah. or whatever. Yeah. It, it was funny. Like going in, this was my son's first. Um, movie Mission Impossible, right? It, it was his and first then, Mission Impossible movie, not his first movie. Yeah, no, first Mission Impossible movie, right? Same with Indiana Jones. It was funny because he he we know that all of Scott's in. children, as soon as they come out of the womb, they're forced to watch Jurassic Park and Jaws. Yeah, one hundred percent. Scott's like, like, actually, right? that's what I'm watching while you were being born on my phone. Yeah, it was, it was. <laughs> um, <laughs> I want them to hear the themes. Your wife's like, baby comes out. <laughs> uh, it's like oh it's the head <laughs> it's the, the guy whose head comes out of the boat um but no um and i asked them what he thought of it because i told him i'm like 
a lot of these stunts are practical. There's not very much CG in there. Um, and he was like, Dad, this was like a Jackie Chan movie, but he's not Asian. He was like, it was pretty good. I liked it. Uh, but uh yeah i love the the quotes from the vega the vega household yeah yeah that sucked or that wasn't too bad (laughs) yeah come on get more creative yeah i asked him i'm like so you're gonna go watch the other ones he's like no i don't have to he's like i just he's like the, the only thing he's upset with is you know he didn't realize that this was supposed to be a back to back he was like why the fuck didn't it end oh because he didn't get the part one part yeah, and I'm like, now there's another one. He's like, when does that come out? I'm like, three, Next year. two, three. No, I think it's 20. Is it 2021? I, I thought, thought it was supposed to be 2024. Um, I don't know. I'll have to look into that. I don't know. Uh, I mean, yeah, that train sequence is great. The whole the whole train sequence is great. The end of that train sequence, it's crazy because you're like, I know in my mind how this is going to play out. Like, I know what the final conclusion is. I actually don't know how the fuck they're going to get there from here. So it, it, I was on the edge of my seat and like, again, the tension racks up. So watch the beginning. There's a big chunk in the middle that you can go pee, eat candy, do whatever. Go, don't go on your fucking phone. By the way, to the little fucker that was in front of me on their phone, you're lucky I'm an old man and I just like shake my fist at stuff now, not in the stuff because I fucking just... hate when people fucking do that shit. Like, don't bring your phone and go on your phone in the movie, you fucking little prick. Um... <laughs> I would suggest definitely go watch this movie in the theater. You don't need to do the D-Box. I did do D-Box. Uh, I felt like it didn't really do anything. Um, I would have preferred the nice look recliner kind of chairs. Uh, but be warned, there is a big chunk of stuff in the middle that you're going to be like, this is boring. No, the car chase of Venice was awesome. Yeah, I'm, obviously I'm not talking about the fucking crazy car chase. I'm talking about all the expletive, expletive exp, uh, exposition that's in there. I mean, that's redundant. Those are both the same words. Um, but yeah, like it's a fu- it, it, it can be a fun movie at points, but it definitely has some low points. So it's unfortunate that they felt the need to have all that kind of bags of shit in the middle because uh, otherwise it's a great it's a great film. Yeah, I think like I was saying before, I think this is more reconning for the last one because like Maybe. this one ended because I think it's going to, you're going to find out that this, you know, villain, the entity was there from 1996. Mm. I, I do love like, whether it's John Wick or this, the fucking parties that they put in Hollywood movies. I want to go to one of those where this got these like crazy DJs and dancers and neon and shit. I'm like, I have never actually been to a function like that. I, I just want to yeah. go to one of those kind of parties. I will say this, like my, my son's, um, turning 11 when when they're at that dance I, at some points because of the lighting i'm like are these women naked so i'm like <laughs> pretending to put my hands <laughs> over his eyes trying to realize and he's like looking at me and i'm like are they naked are they not naked i'm like this is a tom cruise movie i think this is supposed to be pg pg 13 they wouldn't just throw full frontal on here but then i'm like fuck man i'm like is this his eyes wide shut callback he heard our podcast he's like we need to bring that shit back <laughs> uh yeah exactly um you know one thing that i really appreciate about appreciate uh about mr tom cruise is regardless of his what he does in his personal life is that he loves film he loves cinema movies uh he you know he there there's interviews of him having tickets for indiana jones and for oppenheimer and for barbie like 
He makes his living off being on the big screen. He wants you to see movies on the big screen. He showed up in Toronto with the director for just like a random showing of this film, like last Thursday or Friday or something like that. Like, I think that's so cool that this major actor, uh, he can't do it now because they're on strike, but like, just like showed up and like, hey guys, I really hope you enjoy these films. Like that, I think that it's, it's a class act, uh, for someone who has made their living in film and obviously wants people to, well, I'm sure he wants to continue making uh, a living, but uh, he definitely cares about it as an art form and a form of entertainment and on the big screen, not on the streaming services. So can we end this with a question? Can I ask you a question? Well, you're going to anyway, so yeah. Yeah. And then we'll end this. Um, Is Tom Cruise the last great movie star? That's my question. Oh, sorry. You didn't let me know. Am I supposed to fucking answer it? Or is that, yeah, is yeah. that supposed to be like the cliffhanger for no, part well, two? Like, <laughs> Oh, my God. You want to do that? <laughs> All of a sudden, next week's episode, we start with Oppenheimer and be like, it's an answer, you, Tom Cruise. <laughs> I would say for all intents and purposes, yes. There's only a few of them left, but he was, I would say he's the biggest. He Even someone like Brad Pitt, like putting Brad Pitt in a movie – is not going to guarantee its success right now, Tom. And, and it's also because Tom Cruise is producing the films of Tom Cruise by Tom Cruise with Tom Cruise. Um, I would say that he is the biggest marquee star and bankable star outside of maybe uh, somebody in India, like in the Bollywood world. But yeah, for Western audiences, I would I would say yes. And do you, do you have is there, are you going to give me an answer? Or? I think so too, because I think in terms of the movie star too, uh, it was all about that aura, right? Like the the mystique right like you can only see him on the big screen and like to my knowledge he doesn't have like Social he's not very active like on yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah like most other people i think the rock do i know i think everybody says that dwayne johnson is the biggest movie star right now <laughs> uh but who says that who says I, I that t- in terms of pay I think he is the highest paid actor. Yeah, that first off, that shit has definitely ended because he keeps running fucking. Well, after bombs. his last two, yeah, last three. Yeah, yeah. sorry, but, you don't get to put that guy in the same fucking conversation as Tom Cruise. Thanks God. I, I'm just saying, in terms, of, I, it's not me saying it. Well, I'm whoever whoever term, you're listening to saying that is fucking stupid. I, I think he was the highest paid, um, like Dwayne Johnson. Um, but I also think, in terms of him he he's opposite of tom cruise where a lot of his stuff is derived and brought in through his social media that's what gets people in there like he he, you know he he is very good at you know making himself likable and and stuff through his social media where he's just like one of the people right like yeah where tom cruise is truly the unknowable movie star Right, he's the mystique, right? Like, oh fuck, I gotta, you know, I gotta go see what he's going to he, do. He right? did one Oprah appearance, and he's like, "Fuck that, never again." Mm-hmm. <laughs> and that is our wrap for the day. Please like and subscribe to this podcast. Tell your friends if you want to get a hold of us. Reach us at the www.howdyoulikethatmovie.com.
I also I also found the part that because I thought you were gonna talk about this a bit more with the like running, where it's like, so he's being tricked to go, you know, this way, left way through Venice. So he's just like in the middle of nowhere in Venice. Yeah. And then they're like, she's at the insert the bridge name. Ethan suddenly is like, fuck it, I know how to get to that bridge. <laughs> you in my own this. city, if you were just like, uh, they're at Soper Park, I'd be like, fuck, man. I can't remember actually how to get there from here the fastest. Like, this guy's just randomly in Venice and he's just like random other tourist attraction gets there. Just yeah, no. not quite in time though. Yeah, where they where they uh had that shot on the on the bridge, the fight scene. I've been on that bridge. I have pictures of me and my wife on that bridge. Were you fighting with swords? I had a sword. <laughs> Production by Rod Shaver, Vader Monkey Productions.